you're tackling your first year of business. Maybe it's that you're just getting started working with clients, or maybe you've been working with clients for a while and realize that now's the time. You're ready to go all in. Whether you've got time working with Henna under your belt or not, the way that you approach your first year of business in a very serious and intentional capacity is so important. Inside of this special episode, I am sharing a lesson, which is no longer available. (laughs) I'm sharing a lesson that's all about addressing some of the common hardships that are experienced within the first year of business, including some really tangible um, and easily applicable tips for how you can be the most successful possible. I'm highlighting for you some of those things that might not be on your radar, some of the traps, if you will, that are kind of waiting on the end for you to fall in. And I'm hopeful that inside of this episode, you'll be able to capture a number of gems that will keep you from some of the struggle um, that I'd really like for you to be able to avoid. This lesson was actually delivered as a live class a while back. And so you'll notice that we've got a couple interruptions from my littlest little, and I frankly didn't have the heart to cut it out because, well, I'm a mom first. All right, without any further ado, I'm going to leave you with this lesson. I hope that you enjoy it, and I'm looking forward to hearing your feedback about what was your biggest takeaway. Welcome to the Hennapreneur Podcast, the exclusive podcast of its kind, dedicated to giving you an honest look at the realities of making a living as a henna professional. I'm your host, Chelsea Stevenson, a tea-loving, shoe-collecting mother of three in constant search for the most poppin' pair of earrings and the perfect shade of red lipstick. I'm also a professional henna artist and business strategist who went from barely being able to piece together a fluid design to being the owner of the most celebrated henna boutique in my city. I'm on a mission to help henna professionals to harness their skills and grow vibrant, profitable businesses that they absolutely love. If you want to make more money with your art, you are definitely in the right place. Let's get to it. So um, today, today we're going to be talking about common hardships that are encountered within the first year of business. And I love uh, talking about this because I feel like when you first start working for yourself, it's really easy to like romanticize about it. Like everyone thinks like, oh, I'm going to start this business and it's going to be great. And like, I'm going to work for myself. And like the energy level is up here. You know, we're like, we're going for it. And, um, we um, get really excited about the prospect of something new and something that's like within our control. And, um, and we love it. And that energy is great and loving it is great. And the positivity is great. But, Then you get in there and about three to six months in, it's like, oh crap, like this is work. And, um, once that feeling starts to set in, then it's, it's very common for certain things to pop up. And so I have a number of, of items. I've got, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six items that I'm going to be touching base on uh, for you today about common hardships found in the first year of business. So let's jump right in okay so first now i hope that you've been one of those those good eggs who's been watching videos as they come out because this video is no longer available um but 
The first thing is you need to take the time to orchestrate, to create, to curate, to whatever, to design a business plan for your business. In the first year, one, the, the, so many hardships, I should say, so many hardships can be avoided if you have a business plan in place because that business plan is your roadmap. And so um, utilizing that, that roadmap to get you from, you know, step A to step B to step C is so, it, it's, when I say it's so vital for your business, I mean it. Um, having the direction, having something to look back at, to give you perspective, um, and having something to really compare yourself to um, as you're going through the journey of your first year is so important and it's so valuable. Um, and if nothing else, it helps to keep you grounded and helps to keep you um, feeling uh, connected to what you're doing and helps you have your end goal in mind. Um, and one of the things for, you know, for myself and one, one of the things that I recommend to my students is always to make sure that you have some sort of goal, some sort of objective, because then you can start to strategize and be very um, specific and intentional with the things that you do. Um, the worst thing would be to start your business off on a weak foundation um, and included with that weak foundation would be not having goals, not having objectives, kind of just being out there all willy nilly and not, not having, um, a clear cut, um, understanding of where you're headed, um, or what you'd like to achieve. So, um, the first, um, key mistake or the first mistake that I see, um, and the first key thing that you should make sure to do in your business is take the time to write a business plan. The second, um, hardship that I see many, um, small businesses, encounter when they're um, when they're in their first year of business is the failure to identify the ideal client. I'm going to be just very specific with you guys right now because I don't know how many times in a day I talk about having an ideal client. And I get a lot of questions. Um how come my marketing is it isn't working or, um, what do I do? You know, the so-and-so this, you know, this person doesn't want to pay or, um, I'll get questions about, you know, how can I, how can I grow my client base or how can I bring in more money or how can I, and always, I always come back to the same thing. Well, talk to me about your ideal client. Let's talk about like, that is the foundation. And so if you don't take the time to identify your ideal client within your first year of business, it is going to be so much harder for you to grow. Though there's some level of novelty um, within that first year, uh, which is something that we're going to talk about in, in just a minute as well. But there's that level of novelty um, that might keep people coming to you because you're new and you're fresh and you're exciting and people want to try you that is going to wear off. And not only will that wear off for the public, even for yourself, you're going to reach a point where you're like, I'm kind of tired of dealing with these people. These aren't really the people that I want to deal with. And so if that is you, then um, you want to be sure to identify your ideal client early. So if you, you know, if you are the type of person who, um, 
And especially if you're the type of person who wants to hit the ground running, like if you're in your first year and you're kind of just wanting to test the waters and grow your skill set and make a little bit of cash in the process, um, then perhaps this isn't something that's so important to you. Um, if it's if if that first year is what um, you know, if that's a time uh, frame that you want to use to just improve um, on your own person, your own, you know, the service that you're offering, then I can understand if you're a little bit more lenient in this, um, in this way. But if you are wanting to treat your business officially, if you're wanting to do things really right from the beginning, um, then identifying your ideal client is going to be, if, if I had to, if I had to rate this, this would actually be the first thing. This is something that's included within your business plan. Um, but taking the time to really get to know who that ideal client is makes everything else so much easier that falls under that same umbrella of that business plan. When you have a clear understanding of who your ideal client is, you know exactly where you can find them, you know how you need to speak with them, you understand what their value system is, you know um, how to engage with them in a way that feels authentic and that feels um, well connected and, and that resonates with them on a personal level because you want to get that that person to know like and trust you and that will become very very easy if you understand how they operate and so um if you don't take the time to get to know your ideal client you will content like you will continue to have issues um as it relates to you know what to charge and where to market and how to market and why things aren't panning out in the way that you'd like um this is this is, this is why, um, I would say in all of the business consultations that I do in all of the, um, one-on-one -on -one coaching that I do and all the, like, in, when I teach live classes, when I, when I engage with people, when I, uh, when we identify a problem that's had and we start to dig into that problem, that ideal client piece almost always comes up as being where the issue started. Okay. So, um, don't, don't, don't be lazy about this part. Like put the work into this part, take the time to identify who that person is, take the time to get to know them. Um, and then you'll be able to also address other things within your business. It makes making decisions within your business so much easier when you understand that person. Okay. So the third, um, thing that I, see a lot in, in that first year of business that it, it is a common struggle because it's a, it's a learned skill is the management of cash flow. It's really, uh, I think difficult for new business owners to get a grip on, on the fact that not all revenue is income. Like not all money that you make in your business is income for you to use. If you were working for someone else. Say you're working for whatever company and you're receiving a paycheck regularly. Then you understand that when you get that check stub, the check stub is going to indicate that this is the gross amount that you made. You know, let's say that's a thousand dollars. You have a thousand dollar gross amount that you, that you made, and then you had to pay taxes and then you had to pay insurance and then you had to pay, you know, social security and all of those things. And so the check that you actually take home perhaps isn't a thousand dollars. Perhaps the check that you actually take home is, I don't know, $600. And then when you get home, you have this $600 check and you guys, okay, I've got 600 bucks this week. What do I do with it? 
And that doesn't mean that you then go to the mall and go shopping without $600. No, you would then look at your budget, your personal budget, and assess what bills are going to be coming next. Say you have to pay your phone or you have to pay your cable or you have to pay your water bill or you have to pay whatever that is. And so it may be, um, or it, you know, even those flexible expenses, you have to pay for gas for your vehicle or you have to pay um, for groceries. That cash flow, you, you understand that all of the money that you brought in is an expendable income. All, it's, not, it's not all disposable to you. Um, some of that income, that say the 600 that you, that's your net income, that um, still is going to be used in other ways to continue your well-being, <laughs> right? And so um, for, you know, I, I say at the end of the week, you're not, you're not then stuck with, um, you know, with $600. That week you may actually have, after all, you know, after you pay whatever bills are due at that point in time, you may have $200 that's actual income that you can use to go do whatever things you'd like to do. In our businesses, it's the same exact way. And what's really funny to me um, and I shouldn't even say funny. It's something, it's a, it's a, uh, it's just a common mistake. It's just a common mistake is that new business owners will be so excited that, oh my gosh, I've made this money. You know, I saw clients this week and let's say this week I made, you know, the thousand dollars. I made a thousand dollars this week. So then what? That doesn't now mean that you have a thousand dollars to just go and spend. You have to look at the cash flow within your business. Okay, and now that you've brought in that $1,000, what needs to be paid? Do you need to, um, you know, is your insurance about to renew? Do you need to purchase new supplies? Do you need to put money into advertising? Um, do you need to, um, I don't know, let's say you, you need to purchase something because you're doing a photo shoot or whatever those, whatever those expenses might be, you have to plan for them. And of course, you need to be setting aside money for taxes and you need to be setting aside money for, um, you know, for investment, for your retirement, have a savings account for yourself. And then after you've taken those expenses out of the money that you've brought in, then you have um, that leftover amount, that profit, that that's your income that you get um, to use. And so more often than not, I'll find... Um, when I, when I identify that there's issues within the financial structuring of a new business, many times it's because we um, overspend what we've made because we make the mistake in believing that everything we've made is actual profit and that's actual um, you know disposable income for us and it's simply not that way. When you're in business for yourself, you have to be aware of cash flow, you have to be aware of budgeting, you have to be aware that you have to reinvest in your business, which is um, something that again, we're going to talk about in just, just a second. So um, management of that cash flow is super important and so if you are um, within your first year or if you are um, starting fresh within your business, then you need to take the time to create systems that will help you to identify the cash flow for your business. That means documenting um, your your expenses very well, um, the amount that they, you know, the obviously the amount for that expense and then also when you can expect to pay it. And if it's something that's consistent um, or that's a regular expense, know when that's going to be so that you can plan. Um, if you fail to plan, who? It can be really hard for you later on. And um, you don't want to find yourself in the position where you're not able to 
it could be something as simple as you're not able to participate in that festival that you love because you didn't plan ahead and now you don't have money for the fees or that you're taking fees, taking um, money from, you know, what would be income for your household. Now you have to use that income, you know, use that money to pay the booth fee. You don't want to get into that, that sort of cycle. Don't, you know, rob Peter to pay Paul, that sort of thing. You don't want to have those fees on a credit card. Have that from within your business. And the way to do that is setting up um, and really understanding the cash flow for your business. So that is our third tip. So our fourth tip is, or our fourth common um, issue that I see is um, failure to understand that being busy doesn't necessarily mean that you're being productive. Um, and that's, it's not just with new businesses. That's with, that can be with people in general, right? So when you are looking at the growth of your business, yeah, did you have nummies? You have some nummies on your face. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are looking at your business and when you're assessing how healthy it is and when you're assessing how uh, fruitful it is, a lot of us will look and we'll go, oh my gosh, but I'm so busy. Like I'm so busy right now. Things are great. I'm so busy. But then, but then you sit back and you're balancing your books at the end of the month and you realize I was really busy, but I didn't make that much money. I was really busy. I was running around, but I didn't, you know, I didn't meet my sales goals or I was really busy and I missed that thing for my kid. And when I actually look at, you know, what I brought in, I should have, I should have gone. I should have gone to that game. I should have gone to, you know, whatever that thing is. And so I think for, especially for new businesses, treat your business as only you, you have, I, I'm, I try to be cautious of using the word balance. Oh my gosh. This network connection, you guys are going to have to tell me, is this cutting out? If it's cutting out, I'm like going to have to figure out, I'll have to go back and watch the video again and add in stuff. Um, okay. So it, you have to, you have to remind yourself that your business is a part of a bigger picture. If you build your business to take over your life, it will take over your life. And, and later on, that's where regret comes in. I want to pause and just say, do you realize that within the first year, right? It's estimated that about 75% of businesses make it through their first year, which is great, right? That means in the first year you're, you're doing all right. Around year two, I think that the statistic is like somewhere around 65 to 69% of businesses will make it through the second year, which is still like, okay, fine. But by year five, only about 50% of businesses actually succeed. So you've got a 50-50 shot, which isn't horrible, but it's also not great, right? It's literally, you can, you get to choose how you look at that, um, that glass empty, glass full sort of thing. Like you get to choose, Mommy, but glasses. yeah, glasses, you get to choose, <laughs> you get to choose how you look at it. Um, so you get to choose how you, how you perceive that. But for myself, that number was really scary. And 
the way that I choose to combat that in my own business is by making sure that I treat that, like I treat that business as a piece of my life, not as my entire life. Um, and I don't allow my business the opportunity um, to get me into a play, a headspace where I feel like I'm running. If I feel like I'm a hamster on the wheel, I cut back because that means something's not going right. Something is off, right? And so don't allow yourself to fall into that place where you feel like, oh, I'm really busy. And then, but then you're not productive. Um, you're not actually, you need a wipe. Okay. I've got one here where you're not productive, where you're not actually, um, achieving your goals, where you're not actually reaching those milestones that you'd hoped for. Um, that if, if you find that you're in that space, then you should, you should take a step back and look at, okay, what am I really doing? Where am I going? And then that's, you know, tying back to, to, to the first piece that we touched on with that business plan. If you have the objectives clearly laid out, uh, laid out for you, um, then it, it makes it easier for you to, to assess whether or not you're busy or you're productive. Okay. Um, and I think that, uh, particularly in the first year, because you, you want to get like, you want everything to be perfect, right? You want everything to be perfect. You want, you want all the things that everyone else has and you want to do it as big and as great and better even. And that drive is really important and it's, it's, it's valuable and there's a place for it, but that can also cause you, um, it can cause you to, to buy into that busyness sort of lifestyle, that busy lifestyle versus the productive lifestyle. So I don't, um, if I can warn you away from falling into that trap, um, then then I want to do so. I, that's why I wanted to be sure to include that piece um, in today's lesson because it's so common. Um, that's not to say that you shouldn't do things. On the contrary, if you feel called to include a certain thing or uh, to add a certain service or to reach out to a certain person or place or um, if you feel um, in your gut and it is in alignment with your business plan that this is what you need to do, then do those things. I, I don't want you to, to warn you away that, you know, from, from, um, taking risks. Certainly risks can be very good. What I'm saying is don't allow yourself to, you get to build, uh, your business to be however you want it to be. Okay. And if you build the hamster wheel, you will not get off of the hamster wheel. That's, that's what I want to say. That's what I want to make sure that I'm conveying here. So as you're building your business, don't build the hamster wheel. I, I, um, found that for myself, um, you know, yesterday I was very open with you guys about some of the personal struggles that I have. And I found that for myself, um, in, in creating my business, you want to talk? I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. For my own business, choosing to include automation was important to me. Um, choosing to, you can see it. Look, look. See? There's cheekies. Wow. Choosing to include automation was important to me. Choosing to um, invest in systems was important to me. Choosing um, to uh, allow myself access to, to think, to, and I say allow myself access, I mean choosing to purchase um, things that were, um, that bought me time was important to me. 
um, because I wanted to be sure not to build that oh. hamster wheel. And so when it's, you know, when I reach a point where, hey, can I help you? Hey, can I help you? You, you want to see Nadia? There's Nadia. Good. So when I uh, reach a point where um, I need that time off or I need that space to myself or I need, or I need um, you know, to be there for the ballet recital or for the soccer game or for foot massages with baby, then I can and it doesn't damage my business to do so. Okay. Um, so, and as it relates to, to like Mom. the busyness specifically, Mom. if you see, you, you know, the, the best way for me in my experience to assess whether or not you're busy or productive is by taking the time to take inventory of one, what are you doing throughout the day? How long is actually taking you to complete it? We can cuddle. Come. And then also, um, what is that? What's the end result? What are you actually getting back out of it? Um, are you achieving your sales goals? Are you um, achieving your marketing goals? Like, are you doing the things that you'd hoped to do um, by, by completing those tasks? Or did those tasks rack you up, you know, an extra five hours that week and you don't have anything to show for it? If you don't have anything to show for it, then just be, be cautious, okay? So I wanted to be sure to include that. Now, what we talked about um, just briefly with the, you know, how many businesses can continue to exist <laughs> after their startup, um, you know, I, I, I mentioned the fact that by year five, about 50% of businesses will succeed. And I, I want to take that um, into my next tip, you know, or point number five, where one of the common challenges that I see is a, it's an issue of mindset, okay? If you statistically you should succeed in your first year of business, especially because our business has, um, our industry is, is fairly low maintenance. It, it doesn't take very much to start. Um, we don't have super high expenses uh, when we start our henna businesses. And so that's something that's very much um, in our benefit. Um, but... What's that? Anamis. You want anamis? Yeah. Why don't you go get an apple? Mm, better. Yeah, go tell brother for apple. No. No? To cut it. You want to cut it? Mommy cut it. Okay, mommy will peel it. Go get the apple. Yeah. Go get the apple and tell brother mommy will peel it. Okay. <laughs> um, so with mindset, it's common for us to, again, for us to kind of start off with like this, yes, I can do this, I've got this, I'm gonna win, like I'm, I'm here to be successful, and that's great. Um, but it, that those feelings tend to wane off. And when that happens, then that's when the feelings of self-doubt and did I make the right decision and do people even, um, do people like me? Um, am, I, am I gonna be successful? Am I charging too much? Um, am I, you know, am I, am I as good as so-and-so? All of those doubts start to, um, start to populate our head. And, um, that's when having control of your mindset is so, so important. I see not only in new businesses, but I see even in older businesses where, a lack of self-confidence 
in your business, um, it proves to be such, such a big issue that you're like destined to fail. Um, I, and I, I'm, <laughs> I'll preface by saying that some, some, I feel like this is a little bit woo. And if that's the case, just bear with me and like stick it out and then <laughs> stick it out with me for the next couple minutes. Okay. But I, um, I am a firm believer in that you, you get what you put out. Right. And so if you, um, are the type of person who puts out positivity and who, um, who keeps their focus on, uh, on success and on the things that you want to do, um, and you treat those things like they're already done, then you're basically, you have no choice but to be successful. That's, that's in the, and that's been my experience. I, even when I set my own goals, when I set my goals for each, you know, for each month, for each quarter, I treat those things like they're already done. Like it's done. I know that I'm going to, this is what I'm making income wise. This is how many clients I plan to serve. This is how I'm doing it. And it's done. Like it's not, it's not an option. Um, and then I go chase after it because I want it so badly for myself and because I, I speak positivity to myself about, yes, I'm capable of doing it. And then when those bad days come, when I'm like having a really rough time and I'm like, I don't know if I can make it, I don't know if I can make it through the rest of this work day. Then I have a group of people. I've created a community for myself where I can go in and I can be honest and say, look guys, this, this sucks. I'm having a rough day and I'm, you know, and I can get those feelings out. And then what I get back is nothing but positivity. What they give me back is nothing but you've got this. You can do this. You're amazing. And they feed me those things that I need to hear that I wasn't able to give myself. Okay. And so, you know, for us, when you have, when you have a statistic like that, that, you know, by year five, 50% of businesses are destined to fail. That's also 50% of des- of businesses are destined to succeed. And so you get to choose, you get to choose. And obviously not everything in life is like just, oh yeah, I think that I can do it. So I'm just going to sit here on my laurels and watch it all happen. No, it takes hard work. It takes hard work. But if you do that work with the expectation that I can do this, I am capable. Um, I offer an amazing service. I know that my skill set is just what my clients need. They're coming to me because I'm the expert. Um, you know, I, I know that, uh, what I give is more than just henna, you know, get out of the mindset that I'm just, oh, I'm just the henna artist. There's so many other henna artists out there. You know how quickly that turns into negative self-talk? There's so many other henna artists in my city. Look at, you know, this one is doing that thing really well. And this one's doing that thing really well. And this one, she's cheaper than me. And this one, she could probably do the same design and a lot faster. Do you know how quickly, you see how quickly that can turn around and become something else that you don't want to be in that headspace. You have to identify within yourself what it is that, that you're actually offering to people. And it's not henna. Henna is a commodity that can be found just about anywhere. And if your clients really wanted to do henna, if they really, if they really felt like it was just about henna, they would go to Amazon and buy 
henna cones and do it themselves. They're hiring you for a reason. So you have to identify what it is about you that makes you special, that makes you capable, that makes you uh, confident enough and, and um, the best choice. What's funny to me is that when I use the word best, um, of course there are qualifiers for the word best, you know. Um, for example, like I, I, I kind of, I have weird thoughts about the word best. Um, and right now, uh, if you, if you go to my social media, you'll see that I, I talk about how I'm the best in my city and that, that comes from like, that's, that's legitimate. Okay. The press has said I'm the best in my city. So I can, I can say that, but that doesn't mean that I'm the best for everybody. Okay. And I think when it comes to mindset and how you treat your business, you have to be comfortable with the fact that you're not going to be the best for everybody, but you're the best for your clients, hands down. And how, why? It's who you are and what you're offering. And again, what you're offering isn't henna. You're offering something more than that. You're offering an energy exchange. You're offering um, a, 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 an ambience. You're, you're offering um, an experience that supersedes the henna itself. The henna is just the means to the end, right? What you're offering is something that's different from that. And I want you, um, if, if there were any affirmation that you could uh, make for yourself, I would encourage you to lean into, I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm the best at what I do. I do my best. I'm the best for my clients. I'm the best choice, bottom line. And who cares if you're neighbors with the, the artist who is officially the best in your city? Who cares? Who cares? You're best for the people who you're meant to serve and they will see that. And they'll want to engage you because of that. And so coming back to this common mistake of this, this mindset where there's so much comparison and there's so much um, self-doubt and there's, it can be a really, it can be a negative space. And if I can encourage you in any, any direction, it would be to avoid that and recenter the way that you view your business, recenter the way that you view yourself as if you're set up for success. And not only that, as if you've already succeeded, you are that 50% that's bound to succeed in your five. Okay. You have to treat it that way and then put the work in, right? Put the work in as well. It's not just, it's not just here. You have to put the work in, but if you put the work in and here you're still behind, you will call, you will block yourself from reaching that next level because you're not all there and you've not prepared yourself to take on whatever blessing, whatever success um, the universe, if you will, is willing to give you. Okay, so there you go. <laughs> that's my that's my spiel. And I, I, I think especially if you're one of the members in Entrepreneur Pro, you're going to get very um, <laughs> familiar with hearing me talk about mindset. But it, it's it's such a common mistake that I couldn't not include it in today's lesson. Okay, and so the last mistake that I've got for you guys is the failure to choose to invest. Okay, you will find, and this goes back to that cash flow thing, right? 
you'll find that many times new business owners will take the time to, um, they'll, they'll just, they'll treat, They'll treat, they'll treat all um, revenue from their business as expendable income uh, that's disposable, and then they won't take the time to like double back and invest. And so when I talk about investing in your business, I'm not only talking about investing in your business by way of um, the products that you use or the, um, you know, your booth set up. Like obviously you can invest in those things and that's fine. No harm, no foul. Like those are things that you need. However... I'm talking more about investing in yourself. I'm talking more about um, taking the time to invest in classes that you need. Um, if you don't know how to balance a, a ledger, take the time to hire an accountant or learn. You know, um, one of the things that, um, I, at least in my own experience, and this is very, this is anecdotal for me, but it's in alignment with all of the business owners that I that I keep within my my own personal professional network. We are all, we're all doing these same things. And it's interesting to me because I don't see it so much in the henna community and, and I wish that I did, um, is that we take the time to invest. I have a budget within my business that's for education. And it's not so that I can sit in on classes on how to do a particular, you know, motif or something like that. No, I have a budget within my business. For, this is so that I can take classes on marketing. I can take a class on um, how to improve my Instagram. I can take a class on how to do like whatever it is that I felt like I was lacking on. Then I make sure that I within my business setup, put money aside so that when I see things come up, I can buy into those things that I need that help me as a person to do a better job at managing my business. And within the first year, you're in a position where there's so much information that you have to learn and it feels like you have to learn it very quickly. And so, um, and it is, it's true that some, some things you'll learn with experience. Um, but if you can avoid the hurt of, um, of experiencing something negative because you take the time on the front end, to, to learn from someone else's mistakes, to learn from someone else's um, successes even, then do that, do that. And so um, invest in books, invest in, um, you know, if, if it's not a class and invest in, go to the local library, invest your time. It doesn't have to be money. It doesn't have to be tangible money. Um, you know, you can, you can go to the library. You can sit in on classes like these that are, you know, they're free. You can access them. It just requires your time to do so. Do those things, invest in yourself and invest in your business, and then you'll see how things will improve. And then moving forward, when you do have a more solid cash flow, then you can choose to invest in, um, you know, in more in more high high level systems and things like that. Um, and that's fine if you know if you're wanting to build automation and so forth. That's fine as well. But don't um, I want to, you know, this is the final mistake that we'll talk about today, but is it's that idea that you can't like, like investment isn't even on our radar. Honestly, that's what it's, I can't even say that it's like us blocking, you know, it's that we, we, we literally, it's not even on our radar to think about. We think, you know, if I can, if I can do this Paisley perfectly and I can do it in, you know, three minutes or whatever that I'm set. Well, that's great. But if you, you can be the best henna artist on the face of the earth. And if you don't know how to harness that skill set you you won't be successful you will have a massive instagram following and nothing in your bank account 
And so what, um, what I want to encourage you is to take time to invest in yourself and not only, um, not only in, uh, you know, the technical how to things, but take time to invest in yourself as a person as well. Self-help books, like, like they're a thing and it's a booming, you know, billion dollar industry for a reason. Take time um, to invest in yourself. If that means that you're going for a walk every day um, because you need those 30 minutes of quiet so that you can recenter your mind, do that. If you're the type of person that likes to meditate, do that. If you, um, you know, if you, if, if doing your nails or going and be like, if that's therapeutic to you, do that and make sure that you make it a part of your routine. Again, we're not building the hamster wheel. You have to build sustainability into your business. And part of that is investing in time and in money and in um, effort and energy um, into your business. But you, as a small business owner, you are your business as well. So make time um, and make a space within your lifestyle for you to take care of you as a person as well. And I don't think that we talk about that enough either. So I want to make sure that I like harp on it. <laughs> okay. So there we have it. So we've got our six, um, our six common mistakes, the failure to create a business plan, failure to identify your ideal client uh, effectively, um, failure to manage cash flow, the failure to identify the difference between being busy and being productive mindset. And then the sixth one is the failure to invest in oneself. So um, I want to see you guys be <laughs> A part of that. Oh Ooh, we bit our finger. <laughs> oh, my sweet baby. I have to laugh because every time she gets excited about eating, she bites her finger. And it's so funny to me. It's, so funny. it's okay. Can I kiss it? Let me see it. Which one? This one? Okay. I love it. I love it. I love it with your slobbery, slobbery fingers on my lips. Um, so no, I want to see you guys be part of that, you know, that 75% that makes it through the first year. And I definitely want to see you guys be part of that, you know, 50% that makes it past year five. And so I invite you to one to participate here, of course. And I invite you to share, um, candidly, uh, about the challenges that you're facing, about the things that you've succeeded on so that the rest of the group can learn. Uh, from your experience and then also so that you can get support in the best way you know join us join us in Hennapreneur Pro uh, tomorrow we have a group coaching call which I'm really really excited about um, and you know through that you get access to the online courses you have access to me we have our I'm so excited about our call tomorrow uh, we've, you've got um, group coaching calls that are not like this it's not a live session it is literally we get on a video call and it's we're in it together I mean it's the bomb.com. It's the bomb.com, y'all. So um, I invite you, you know, join me there. And um, and if, you know, if you're not in the place yet to get there, I understand that too. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna be pushy about that. I'm just saying it exists and it's there for a reason. And I'm happy to help you out in whichever way is possible um, for me to do so. All right. I hope that you thoroughly enjoyed tuning in to that. Uh, bonus episode, if you will, that bonus lesson where we covered all of those common hardships found in the, the first year of business. Hopefully this has given you a lot of food for thought as you're addressing your own business and as you're identifying where perhaps you may have had some blind spots, right? As you're uh, moving into taking your business more seriously or scaling it to the next level. 
Obviously, if you are um, interested in working with me, you're absolutely welcome to check out Hennapreneur Pro. And uh, of course, you are so, so, so invited to join us inside of the Hennapreneur community. And I'll give you a little bit of info about how you can do that um, here as we sign off. So I appreciate you. I hope that this week treats you exceptionally well. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Hey friend, I just want to give you a quick thank you for tuning into this episode of the Hennapreneur podcast. And I hope that you're really enjoying connecting with me in this way. You can find links to all of the content shared today in the show notes located at hennapreneur.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed the show and would like to stay in the loop with Hennapreneur, be sure to subscribe to the podcast too. You'll get access to all of the new episodes and to surprise bonus episodes as soon as they're released. I'd be so grateful to you if you'd take a moment to rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts as well. This helps me to reach more artists like you who would love and benefit from the show. For more ways to connect and work with me or to join me inside of the Hennapreneur community, pop over to hennapreneur.com. I can't wait to support you as you chase your big audacious goals, one henna design at a time.